Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Algramson. Thank you for joining me today. Now today we're going to continue on with Jesus and we're in part three. This is our walk with Jesus through, uh, we're going to walk through the Gospels in the New Testament. And we've already covered John the Baptist, part one, part two. And we've covered uh, two portions of Jesus and we're headed into the third. Before I do that, I do want to mention the website, truepatriotministries.org. You can go to the website and you can connect with us via the connect page. Feel free to jump in there and send us a message of any kind. We we do appreciate the messages. If you uh, have prayer requests, you can send me a prayer request. If you have a verse that you want to talk about, we can do that. If you find something that you just, you need to know more about, then uh, feel free. Just reach out to us. That's what we're here for, is to help you in your walk with God and uh, to know and understand better who you are in Christ, which is what we truly want, right? Is for your identity to be so locked in in who you are in Jesus that the devil just can't shake you. Your foundation on the rock is so solid that when the storms come, you're commanding the storm, and the storm's not commanding you. Glory to God. That's such a good word. And that's where we want you. Okay? We want to lift you up. We want to edify you. We want to unite the body of Christ through Scripture and and not through theory or man's beliefs. Okay? And and so that's our vision, and that's what we're here for, and we, we thoroughly enjoy helping you, and uh, even if we're not helping, if we're just fellowshipping, it, it's fun. We enjoy it. It's it's something that we're very, very passionate about, and so there are a lot of great things coming this fall. Now, usually I don't put it, excuse me, one second. <clears throat> usually I don't put in a plug right away for uh, something outside of what we're studying. But we are having a revival meeting. It's called the Prairie Fire Revival. And that will be September 28th to October 2nd, 2021. And it's at the Leavenworth County Fairgrounds in Tonganoxie, Kansas. And the zip code there is 66086. Now, we expect, you can go to truepatriotministries.org. The homepage has information on it. Uh, honestly, we expect thousands of believers from multiple states to come in and partake in this revival. It's not a revival solely for the township of Tonganoxie, Kansas, or even for the county of Leavenworth County, or the state of Kansas. This is for the Midwest. And so we are inviting everybody to come in from the Midwest and to partake. Bring what you have spiritually all right. And what we are hoping for, what we're believing for is that we will revive, reignite the body of Christ in the Midwest. And when everybody leaves after the Saturday session, because it's a Tuesday through Saturday. So when everybody leaves after Saturday, that they go home to their community, to their church, um, their congregation, I should say. And it doesn't matter if they're pastors or ministers, chaplains, 
uh, or just people in the congregation, elders, deacons, it, it does not matter. But if you take that fire back to your community, to your congregation, then what we expect, what we are believing for is that that fire, so we're going to get it nice and hot and toasty right here. We're going to get it roaring hot. And then we're going to send you back to your congregations, to your communities. Okay? And we expect that fire to go with you and to ignite your community and your congregation so that we're not just igniting one hot spot in the middle of Kansas or in the northeast corner of Kansas, I should say. But we are igniting the whole of the Midwest. And, uh, you know, there's a great awakening happening. Uh, we're seeing revivals all up and down the the West Coast. We're seeing some revivals happening on the East Coast. Uh, we're seeing revivals down in, in Texas in the Fort Worth area. Glory to God. And we want to partake in that. We want to be a part of it. This area has been praying for revival for a few years, and it's here. And so, glory to God. We're here to do this, to put this together. Like I said, it's it's set up September 28th to October 2nd. Leavenworth County Fairgrounds, Tonganoxie, Kansas. Go to truepatriotministries.org. The home page, the very front page, will have information on it. Now, I do recommend if, if, you're, if this is something that you want to partake in, which I, I pray you do, go ahead. Start making your reservations now. There are plenty of hotels in Leavenworth, Kansas. It's 20 minutes from us. Uh, there's some hotels in Kansas City, Kansas, near the racetrack, the Legends racetrack, and or the Legends, excuse me, and uh, that's 20, 25 minutes away. And then over in Lawrence, Kansas, there are a, a multitude of hotels, um, and there are campgrounds around, so you can check into it. So make your plans and come on out. Be a part of this revival, and... Our hope, our hope and prayer, of course, is for the local community of Tonganoxie, Kansas. The churches here, we have several churches in the area, to revive, to reignite, and for Tonganoxie, Kansas to be a hot spot, to be a beacon to the rest of the Midwest, if not the United States, that we can have a passionate, on fire for God, Holy Spirit-filled environment in our communities that impacts our communities. Glory to God. It's so good. So I wanted to get that out there. I wanted to let you know about that. Uh, there'll be more to come on that as, as we get more and more information. We'll put it out. I may even do a little episode where it's just only about the revival. And uh, we're reaching out. And I'm going to tell you right now, we are reaching out to churches in the local community right now. Um, I have reached out for for ministries that I know and trust um, throughout the U.S. to come in and pray in agreement with us for a very large, very successful. And to me, successful is has nothing to do with, uh, well, it has everything to do with how hot it gets, how big the fire gets. And, and the distribution of that fire when we take it back to our own congregations, our own communities. Okay, that's my success measure. Uh, and, and so, glory to God. 
So we have reached out to some to come into agreement with us in prayer. It's going to be a great time. We know that we want other congregations to partake. Now, if you're a pastor, minister, chaplain, if you have a congregation, if you have a flock that you care for, and you want to be a part of this, please reach out to me. You can find me. Go to the, the truepatriotministries.org and slip over to the contact page and, and just send me a message. And then uh, whatever phone number you have or email address you have that you prefer for me to get in touch with you, please include that in the message. Make it clear. Let me know what it is. And I will get a hold of you just as quickly as I can. And, and we, we welcome you. This is this is not just, like I said, it's not just for Tonganoxie, Kansas. It is for Tonganoxie, Kansas, but not only for Tonganoxie, okay? And, and we want you here. And so I do encourage you, pastors, ministers, hey, guys, you need to be filled up too. There's, there is no shame in giving out and giving out and giving out and getting depleted and needing to be refilled and revived and reignited. There is no shame in that at all. It's necessary. If nothing else, you should be extremely good at refilling yourself, at reviving yourself, at, at reigniting yourself because you give out so much. And so come in, partake of it, get filled to overflowing. Okay. Everything we're doing is going to be word based. It's on scripture. We're not looking across, uh, congregational lines, anything like that. And, and, uh, our hopes and our prayers. Like I said, the vision is to reignite the Midwest, not just this town, this community, but the whole of the Midwest. Okay. And the Midwest is large. And so come on down. Make your plans. Come join us and let's light a fire that can be seen from coast to coast in the Midwest. Glory to God. That's what I'm excited about. So now that I've got that out of the way, give me just one second. Let me freshen up here. Thank you. Let's move on into the message. I'm excited about walking with Jesus. This is so, um, ex well, yeah, exciting. I said that already. It, it is. It's exciting to me. Because as every time I go through the New Testament, every time I go through the Word of God, it doesn't matter if I've read the same scripture a half dozen times, a hundred times, two hundred times, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. As I go through, I'm building upon the stones that I've already put in place yesterday and the day before and the day before that and the day before that and so on, right? And it starts with the foundation of the rock, and that's Jesus Christ. And so this does excite me because whether, and I don't mean this to sound harsh, but let me put this out there. Whether you get anything out of this or not, I have. And this is what I pray for you, Lord. I pray that, that, that everybody watching, everybody listening, Lord, that they would open their hearts and that they would come expecting to receive revelation from you, expecting to receive wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Glory to God. Open their eyes, their ears, open their hearts, Lord, that they may see and hear and receive your word, the truth, 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Glory to God. Come expecting to receive. We just finished up uh, with Miracles on the Mountain. That was down south, Fort Worth at uh, Eagle Mountain International Church. It was a two-day event, Thursday, excuse me, yeah, Thursday, Friday. And I'm telling you, if, if, if you want to know what the compassion of Jesus Christ looks like, go find one of those, those events and, and watch it. And you may think it's corny, you may think it's fake, you may think whatever. But if you open up your heart and you watch it and you come expecting to see something, what you're going to see, for me, the compassion of Jesus just, it just floors me. It overwhelms me when I sit there and I watch because these people come expecting. Even the ones who come with just a hope, glory to God, he helps them to move from hope to expectation. And with expectation comes impartation. And that's a good word. So come expecting. Glory to God. Let's, let's cover Jesus, part three. Thank you, Lord. Now we're going to start out in John, chapter one, one through five. Now, here's what we're doing. So these first three sections, are these first three verses that I'm going to go through, um, these are the verses that I'm using following Jesus. Okay, now when we move into somebody else, I'll probably change the verses. But So these, you'll hear them each time I talk about Jesus. So John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through Him, and without Him nothing was created. Glory to God. In Him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. Glory to God. Isn't that a good word? In John 5, verse 19, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. And John chapter 8, verse 26, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he, God, he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard from him. Glory to God. Now, why do I put those verses in there? One, we know the Word was in the beginning with God. Now, the Word is Jesus Christ. All right? So we know he's been there since the beginning. It's a triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And in the, the other two verses, they show, look, Jesus only did. He said, he said he could do nothing of himself. He did what he saw the Father do, and he said what he heard the Father say. And so that's the Holy Spirit in him, which when we get new birth, right? When we receive, when we repent, we turn away from the world and turn to God. And we receive Jesus Christ as the resurrected Lord and Savior. We receive the Holy Spirit, the self-same Holy Spirit that Jesus had in him when he walked the earth as a man. Okay? That's our gift from him. Glory to God. That's good. If we got nothing else today, right there is good.
Uh, it just amazes me. I love it. Okay? Now, we left off in part two. Uh, we're going to cover Matthew and Luke, where we left off, and then we'll move into the new. So in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, we left off with, Now the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way. After his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child by the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make, a public, make her a public example, had in mind to divorce her privately. But while he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Glory to God. For he, is con for he who is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this occurred to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, saying, A virgin shall be with child and will bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. That's such a good word. Now that's where we had left off in Matthew, right? Now let's look at, at the next two verses and let's see how Joseph responded. Okay, because here's what I want you to understand. God's going to speak to us at times. He's going to tell us things at times, whether it be through our pastor, an elder, a deacon, uh, through the Holy Spirit. He's going to communicate with us things. Our response is almost as critical as what he communicates to us. And that's why I want to look at their responses. Okay, so let's see how Joseph responded. So if you look at verse 24, it says, Then Joseph, being awakened, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and remained with his wife, and did not know her until she had given birth to her first son, her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So we see here, even though um, the ordinances and the traditions of the time allowed him to put her away, to divorce her, to not have anything to do with her, right? The angel of the Lord spoke to him. Now, he still has free will. He still had a choice to say, yay or nay. But Joseph said and did as the angel commanded him. He chose to follow God and not take the easy way out. Now, how many times have we been uh, charged with doing something, whether it was in the church or uh, in, in outside the church and maybe a home group or something like that, or maybe the Lord's asked us to do something. He's put a call on our life, and we recognize the call, and, and we, we, I don't want to say shun it, because shun, I mean, shun is pretty, that's kind of an ugly word. But to me, it's like we draw back. Maybe there's fear involved. Am I good enough? Am I qualified? I, I, let me tell you something. When the Lord calls you to something, it's going to be outside your comfort zone. Glory to God. Getting in front of a camera and, and, and preaching and teaching is not my comfort zone. Um, I'll be honest with you. Glory to God. For me, I like to sit back kind of a little bit away from the larger groups and just watch people. Right? I learned so much about people just watching. I don't necessarily have to be uh, in the in the forefront 
well, actually, I don't like to be in the forefront. I don't like to be the, the center of attention. I don't like that kind of thing. Okay? But God didn't call me to what I liked. He called me to what He needed. And so I had to get outside my comfort zone. Now, when God puts a call on your life, it's going to be outside your comfort zone. Now, your comfort zone is going to expand. Because if you step outside your comfort zone, just put a toe out there. Your, your comfort zone just got bigger. Unless you pull that toe back in, right? If you leave it out there, your comfort zone just got bigger. He will get your comfort zone bigger and bigger and bigger to fill the call He's put on your life. Glory to God. Joseph, he had an easy way out. He could have stayed within his comfort zone. He could have said, you know what, I'm just going to divorce her. I'm going to put her away privately. And, and, and that's what I'm going to do. And then that will save me the embarrassment of everybody knowing that, that my bride-to-be is pregnant by somebody else. Right? Even though it was the Holy Spirit. And so he chose to do what God asked him to do through the angel. And it's just so good. Now, Oral Roberts has got a commentary on this. Um, I really like the New Testament commentary uh, by Oral Roberts. It's called The New Testament Comes Alive. And it's a three-volume set. If you can find them through thriftbooks.com or check your, your local... Um, uh, we call them savers here or uh, anywhere people take donations. And you can go in there, the Good Shepherd, that's here in town. If you can find this three-volume set or any part of the three-volume set, I recommend getting it because he's, he's done an excellent job of doing a commentary uh, on the New Testament. And so let's go into this. This is uh, new, it's his commentary on Matthew chapter one verses eighteen through twenty. He calls it a divine crisis. Now, what he does here is he explains a few things to us so that we can understand the the uh, the traditions and the ordinances of man at the time that Joseph walked the earth with Mary. Okay, and so. He says right here, we begin to see now the unfolding of God's purpose in bringing his divine son to be born of a woman without the aid of a husband or the male seed. Now, at this time, Matthew precisely points out the way Jesus was born. Now, he did this by reminding the Jewish people of their own customs that either their parents or a matchmaker would betroth the children to be married later in life. We would call that a planned marriage or, you know. Um, after the boy had had his bar mitzvah and become an adult and, and the girl had become an adult, the engagement became more formal and they were really betrothed. So what we would call an engagement. Now, I want you, well, let me don't rain on his parade. Let's keep going. It says, now because Joseph and Mary were betrothed to be married for the next 12 months, they would be considered husband and wife, but without living together. Now, the community would look upon them as husband and wife, although they knew that there was no sexual contact in this time. Now, at the end of the 12 months, they would have a beautiful, solemn wedding and would begin their family. As a matter of fact, that betrothal 
was considered so binding that the only way to get out of it, that final 12 months before the real marriage, was to have a divorce. So in their time, this engagement was structured in such a way that once you entered into the real engagement, that 12-month window, you would have to have a legal divorce to get out of it. It's not like here in the States where we go, okay, I want to be engaged, and you say yes, and I say yes, and we're engaged. But at any given time, until we actually sign the documents and take the vows, uh, we can just say, nah, I don't want it anymore, and we can walk away. Not so in this time, this age, in, in this, this place, okay? And so that's important to know. So there was some seriousness. No wonder he had to think about it, right? And the angel had to come to him and settle his mind for him. Now, it was upon this background that Mary and Joseph were facing the one year before their marriage, their real marriage. Mary was discovered pregnant and she was a virgin. It was something incredible. That's an understatement. The virgin who had never had intercourse, who was betrothed to Joseph in such a binding way, was now pregnant, but not by him. Not knowing any more about it but being a decent man, he decided very privately to get this set aside so that the girl could go off and have her baby. You see, when Abraham began to believe God and the flow started, God was thinking of that flow that came all through the ancestors, the genealogy of Jesus, right down to Mary and Joseph. Mary was visited by the Holy Spirit himself, the one who had been there to create the world, who had filled the prophets, who had given them promises of the coming Messiah, who had made the excuse me, who had made them leaders of Israel to keep the people on the paths of righteousness. The Holy Spirit had moved upon this girl in a supernatural way and implanted the divine seed rather than the human male seed into her womb. That's a mouthful. Glory to God. Now, the body of that child began to grow. As her body swelled and her pregnancy was revealed, Joseph was faced with a dilemma, but the angels took charge. Glory to God. When we don't know what decision to make, God will help us in that department and he will, mm, glory to God, he will send us a word. The Holy Spirit will arrest us. The Holy Spirit will, will uh, put a check or a witness in us and, and try to lead and guide us. If we will give the Holy Spirit place, we have to give him place. All right? Glory to God. And then, we see here that the same angels who had been working throughout the ages, who had been present among the people of Israel, who had done the mightiest of all deeds, that they appeared to Joseph. And while he was dreaming, the angel said to him, Do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife, for the Holy Spirit has conceived his child in her. That's the Holy Child Jesus. Glory be to God. Now, he goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit, and I want to touch on this because it's important. It does lead us to understand a little bit about how Israel looked at the Holy Spirit in that time and that age. Again, this speaks to uh, understanding the, the oral traditions and the, the uh, ordinances and so on, right? Now, remember, the Jews always looked upon the Holy Spirit as the agent of creation. 
that the birth of this child was a creative act of God. Right? They also believed in the recreation of the Holy Spirit as exemplified in Ezekiel 37 in the story of the reviving of the dry bones. So the Jews associated the Holy Spirit with creation and recreation. Although Joseph knew nothing about the Pentecost and the Holy Spirit as a gift coming into those of us who are born-again believers, he knew, as a Hebrew, he knew of the creative and the recreative acts of the Holy Spirit. That's such a good word. Such a good word. Glory to God. And so, that's a lot to cover. Now, that came out of the commentary. I really enjoy that commentary. Uh, it was rather lengthy, or I would have included a commentary from uh, possibly one or two others. But I, I don't want to hit you with too much all at once. But what I do want to do is, let's, let's move on. So that was Joseph, and that's where we had left off when uh, we had finished up part two, right? We haven't even got into part three, really. We're just recapping at this point. So then with Mary, we left off with Mary in Luke chapter one in verses 39 through 45. Let me get a little sip here, excuse me. Now, in those days, Mary arose and went into the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's so good. Now, you got to remember John the Baptist, it was prophesied he would be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb, right? <clears throat> and that's what we're witnessing right there. Now, Elizabeth, she spoke out with a loud voice and she said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me? Glory to God. That the mother of my Lord should come to me. So honor. Honor right there. She honored Mary. She honored the babe. Indeed, as soon as the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a completion to those things which were told her by the Lord. So she's confirming the prophetic word that Mary received from the angel concerning the babe and the birth and all of that. Glory to God. Now, let's look at the following verses because I want you to see, again, I want you to see how Mary responded to the whole situation. Again, our response is almost as critical as, as what we receive, right? <clears throat> so in verse 46, it reads, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has regarded the low, of his, the low estate of his servant, Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things in me, and holy is his name. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. 
He has pulled down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. Mary remained with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned to her own house. Mary honored God. And she honored the things of God. That's, that's how she answered. I mean, look at that. The very first thing she said, <clears throat> My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She honored him. She praised him. She was worshiping God. And uh, you know that brought, that, that brought pleasure to God. That he enjoyed that. And uh, she saw that God chose her, a lowly person, instead of choosing a woman that comes from a family that is religious and of great stature. We stop and we think about this. Uh, if we leave the time when Jesus walked the earth and he was preaching and teaching, we see that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the high priest, even King Herod, all of them were set against him. These were people of position and of stature. And that's what Mary's saying here. Praise the Lord, because it could have been somebody, a Pharisee's wife. It could have been the high priest's wife. It could have been a Sadducee's wife. Whatever it was, it could have been somebody of stature, of position, right? Of wealth. It could have been. Because if they'd have had their way, it would have been that way. Because they desire the, uh, the greatest positions, the best seats, the best uh, recognition. You know, they want to be recognized for who they are and what they are. Um, well, what they are anyway. Who they are, God knows the heart. He knew who they were. That's why it came from Mary. Mary's heart was pure. Glory to God. So Oral Roberts, he does a, a commentary on this also, and I want to cover that. And uh, so it says here, Mary says very clearly, clearly that God is her Savior. There is no such thing biblically as immaculate conception. That is that Mary was sinless herself. Because she wasn't sinless. She was a normal follower of God, a daughter of Abraham, a descendant of David, whose obedience was perfect as far as her ability was concerned, and who believed what God said. She was looking to him as her Savior. Now, Mary was a marvelous, indescribable, incomparable woman, obedient, faithful, and willing. But that is all she was. In no way are we to pray to her or to think that she sits, excuse me, or to think that she sits at God's side, or that we have to go through her to get to her son. Glory to God. And then he says, no, Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and man. And then mercy through obedience. He goes on and he says, now when she finishes glorifying God for, the, the, for doing the great things in and through her, she then speaks 
of his same mercy being upon all who fear him from generation to generation. She is saying that she is a person of low estate who, in her obedience to God, has been lifted up, and therefore the same thing can happen to us. However lowly we may be, when we obey God, God shows his mercy to us and lifts us up in him. Praise the Lord. That's a good word. And so we can see through his commentary, uh, she would have been, in the eyes of the Pharisees, she would have been an unexpected choice. As a matter of fact, it might have been an insult to the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they were so full of themselves. And, uh, and you see that, you will see that even more as we walk through what Jesus went through in the Gospels uh, after his, well, once his, actually once his ministry started, right? So let's move on in to the birth of Jesus. Now, in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, it reads, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the entire inhabited earth should be taxed. Now, this taxation was first made when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own city to be taxed. So Joseph also departed from, that, from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem. In Judea, that was his original city, right? That's his bloodline. <clears throat> because he was of the house and of the lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So you can imagine, he's got to go to Bethlehem uh, from, from uh, Nazareth in Galilee. I can't tell you how long a journey that was, honestly. But we know they went, and her being pregnant, she probably rode on the donkey, as is depicted in, in a lot of places, um, or a bureau, a burrow. So it couldn't have been comfortable. And I'm guessing he was slower than most of the people who were traveling, right, to go pay their taxes. Now it goes on in verse 6. So while they were there, the day came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, according to prophecy, Micah 5.2, we're talking about Bethlehem. It says, but you, Bethlehem, although you are small among the tribes of Judah, from you will come forth for me, one who will be ruler over Israel. His origins are from old, from ancient days. Isn't that good? Glory to God. Did you catch that last part? His origins are from old. He was with God from the beginning. He's the Word. Okay? But now he's being manifested in the flesh as Jesus. All right. And the next thing I want you to catch is when it says, And laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, this doesn't say that they were poor, and that's why they were in the manger, that they were turned away because there was no free lodging. No. It, it says they were turned away because there was no room at the end. If you stop and you consider what happened, so they were called to come back to their original towns or cities to pay their taxes. 
Joseph and Mary were not the only ones going back to, to Bethlehem to pay their taxes, to fulfill a census or whatever. Okay? There were many, many, many people going back. And with her being pregnant and so far along, I mean, look, she gave birth right here, so you know she was a long ways along. Okay? I believe they were traveling slower. And by the time they got there, the inns were filled up. Uh, guest rooms were filled up. Whatever was available was filled up. And, and so they stayed in the manger. All right? So next, what I want to do here is I want to present to you the following events according to the timeline um, based on the chart, Harmony of the Gospels. Now, this is in Nelson's complete book of Bible maps and charts. And this way I can just, I can put it in a timeline for you um, so that you can kind of understand the, the time frame, obviously. So these events that we're going to cover, they, they began and happened in 5 B.C. And remember, we count backwards, right? So you got 5 B.C., 4 B.C., 3 B.C., 2 B.C., 1 B.C., and then you go A.D., right? And so this was from 5 B.C. to 4 B.C., somewhere in there. Uh, the, we're going to cover the proclamation of the angels. And it happened near Bethlehem, not in Bethlehem. Then we're going to have the visit of the homage by the shepherds, and that took place in Bethlehem. And we're going to have Jesus' circumcision, which took place in Bethlehem. And then we're going to have the first temple visit, which took place in Jerusalem. Now, so let's go into the proclamation by the angels near Bethlehem. And this is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. So, sorry, I've got my page flipped again. Verse 8, And in the same area there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. So that sets the scene, right? We're in the fields near Bethlehem. The shepherds are keeping uh, vigilance over their flocks. Now, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were afraid. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Listen, do not fear, for I bring you good news of great joy which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a company of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in, in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Now, in verse 9, it refers to uh, the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, this is going to be similar to what we witness in the Old Testament with Moses when he goes up on, on Mount Sinai, and I've included that in the notes for you to go look at. And that's in Exodus chapter 34. It's verses 29 through 35. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read through it today. But if you go and you read those verses, what you will see is when Moses went up on the mountain and he was in proximity to God. Glory to God. He was in close proximity to God in the cloud. That the presence of God, the glory of God, the brilliance of God, 
got on him. And when he came off the mountain, his face shone. And it actually alarmed the people around him. And so he put a veil on and he would wear a veil in their presence. So this wasn't just a momentary thing. It was a lasting thing. It lasted a while. If he had to put a veil on in front of people. And then when he went before the Lord again, he would take the veil off. Okay? And uh, so this this brilliance, this glory of God, this um, you may even call it the Shekinah glory, it, it got on him. It got in him. So to me, this is similar to when... Uh, Oh, glory to God. Adam and Eve. Look at them. All right? I, I believe that they didn't know they were naked. One, because they didn't eat of the fruit yet. But beyond that, because they were in such close contact with God the Father that the glory of God, it got on them and it shone about them. And you couldn't see their nakedness. That's my belief. May not be yours, it's mine. Um, now... He goes on, this is so cool. <laughs> he goes on and he tells them that Jesus would be found in the manger. And, and I want you to understand, this is different from when the wise men, and we'll cover that in Matthew, but according to the timeline, the wise men came probably a year or more after Jesus' birth, and they came to Jerusalem. Okay? That's where they found Jesus was in Jerusalem. I believe, and we'll get to that. Now, I really like the way Luke records verses 13, 14. This is for all you people who like those suddenly moments. Hey, God's miracles, God's gifts, God's blessings, they can take time or they can be suddenly. Now, you look at verse 13, and I like this. Look at this. Suddenly there was with the angel a company of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. But suddenly. Isn't it good? Glory to God. Suddenly. Alright, so let's move on to the shepherds. So this was the angels coming to the shepherd. This was the angel, I should say, coming to the shepherds, telling them all about Jesus and, and where to find him. And so next we're going to step right into, they're going to go pay Jesus a visit. Alright? This is so good. So in Luke 2, so we're going to continue chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. And I'm excited. i got to slow down a little bit here. Woo, glory to God. This is so good. I, I, I mean, I, it would have been great to be there and to experience this firsthand. But then we'd miss out on the resurrection and uh, being baptized uh, by Jesus. So, yeah, I mean, I'd rather have what I have now. Because now I've got the Holy Spirit in me. Glory to God. So, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's go witness it. So they came hurrying and found Mary and Joseph and the baby... Lying in a manger. When they had seen him, okay, they made widely known the word which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at what the shepherds told them. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
Now the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Now, I like in verse 17, because the shepherds, after seeing and witnessing for themselves Jesus, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed at seeing the babe, at, at meeting Jesus, and they ran all over town telling anyone who would listen what the angel had said and what they had witnessed. Glory to God. And then they went back to their flocks, celebrating, glorifying and praising God. Isn't that good? That's so good. Now, some of the things I wanted to cover. So like one of the things I want to cover is when we depict the wise men surrounding the babe in the manger. Uh, it's, it's truly not a correct representation. The shepherds were present, but not the wise men. So we're going to look at verses... Uh, Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 and then verses 9 and verse 9 and verse 11 right and it says now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king wise men came from the east to Jerusalem okay so they started their journey and then in verse 9 it says when they heard the king they departed and the star which they saw in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. So they had gone to Herod and asked him, where, where is the birth of this child? Where is this child at that, that was born, right? Herod didn't know anything about it, which that actually sends Herod into a tizzy and we have some problems. But now Jesus is a young child. Right? And in verse 11 it says, And when they came into the house, referring to the wise men, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So a couple of things to get there is one, they came into a house. So uh, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus are no longer in a manger in Bethlehem. They are now in a house, which I'm going to assume is their place in, in, in Jerusalem. Or they moved from the manger to, to a house. Okay? And so, the other thing I want you to see is that when... Uh, when we speak about Jesus and, and Mary and Joseph at this point, right? Jesus was not poor. Because here we have three, we have the wise men coming in and they opened their treasures and they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which were all very valuable at that time. Okay? So there is a lot of wealth and prosperity right here in their gifts to the Christ child. Now, let's go on to the circumcision in the first temple visit. So if you continue in verse 21 in Luke chapter 2, it reads, When eight days had passed, and the child was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now he was circumcised under the law so that he could later fulfill the law. And then he was legally given the name Jesus. So... Let's look at this for a second. So before we look at the first temple visit, let's set a timeline. 
Because according to the commentary critical and explanatory on the whole Bible, the purification of Mary after giving birth to a male child was 40 days after which she could present a burnt offering and a sin offering at the temple. So we know that at the time of entering the temple, it was at least 40 days plus whatever travel time there was necessary to go from uh, Bethlehem to Jerusalem, right? And so we know some time lapsed there. She wasn't going to travel without being purified, right? It, it would have been bad news for the both of them if she'd been caught without that time being fulfilled. So if we go on to verse 22 through 38, we read that, that when the days of her purification process, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be called holy to the Lord. Glory to God. And offer a sacrifice... according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, this is really good. I like this. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he came into the temple. Now, think about that for just a moment. That's so good. So, what do we have so far? He was righteous and devout. In a time when it was under the Mosaic Law still, and it was hard to be righteous, considered righteous and devout because man can't fulfill the law. All right? We, we, we just couldn't do it. Um, not only was he found righteous and devout, but the Holy Spirit was upon him. He had revelation from the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Holy Spirit. That's important, because we can, as believers, all right? So we are baptized by Jesus. We get the water baptism, which is an outward expression of an inward confession, right? And we have the baptism by the Holy Spirit. And, and that, so with the baptism of Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit as our comforter, our counselor, our teacher, and, and there's so many different words for him. But with the baptism by the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit upon us. And that's where our gift of uh, being able to pray in tongues. Um, and so many of the ministry gifts and so many of the other gifts, okay, that that come to us. There's there's nine other gifts and then the five-fold ministry gifts. All of those become available with the Holy Spirit. And not only is He in us, but He's on us. There's an anointing there. It's, it's so good. And this guy, this guy had that without being uh, a born-again believer which didn't happen to very many people. If you go back through the Old Testament, very few people had this experience. <clears throat> when all of Israel 
want you to understand this. This experience was designed for all of Israel to have. But because of their murmuring, because of their disobedience, because of their rebellion, it didn't happen that way. Glory to God. Now, so he was led by the Spirit, he came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for Jesus according to the custom of the law, Simeon received Jesus in his arms and blessed God. And here's what Simeon said. He said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, glory to God, and the glory of your people, Israel. He had seen what he had lived so long to see, and so now he's saying, thank you, Lord, glory to God, I can go now. That's so good. Now, in verse 33, Joseph and Jesus' mother were amazed at those things which were spoken about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Listen, this child is destined to cause the fall and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign which will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And then he says, And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. That's important, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. And there was Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about 84 years of age who did not depart from the temple. But she served God with fasting and prayer night and day. Coming at that moment, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Jesus to all those who looked for redemption in Jer of, for the redemption of Jerusalem. Excuse me. So some... Some things I want to point out here in those verses. All right, so if you look at Anna, she was a prophetess. She was uh, daughter of Phineal, tribe of Asher. Now, the next couple of verses, they get a little confusing. And here's what I got out of them. She was old. She was a widow. She had been with her husband for seven years from her virginity, which tells me from the time that she that the marriage was consummated, her husband lived seven years and then died. Okay? And so this would have put her early 20s, somewhere in there, 22, 23, I would imagine, when her husband passed. And from that age to the age of 84, she was a widow, and she did not depart from the temple, but she served God with fasting and prayer day and night, or night and day as it says, excuse me, I get it in the right order. So we see she was devout also, and she remained in the temple. Glory to God, that's so good. So we've learned a lot today, a lot. And I, I do enjoy Oral Roberts' commentary. I know that added a bit of length to the, the broadcast. 
but it was really good. And he laid some history to it, some uh, content to it, to give us some context about the 12 months of the, the real betrothal, right? Uh, not to mention the, the parents or the matchmaker would actually set up the marriage between the kids when they were children. I mean, in America, we look at that and we go, why would I do that? My kid doesn't know anything right now. Why would I say, okay, uh, Sam, you're going you're gonna to marry Sally and, and when you're old enough, and that's that. And it's set in stone and, and go through all that. We just don't do that. But in this day and age, they did. That was their tradition, right? And so we learned a lot there. He did a great job explaining some things for me. I enjoyed it. And so, um, you know, in, in the next episode, in, part, in Jesus Part 4, we're going to pick up with the visit of the wise men. And probably what we'll do is we'll go all the way through Jesus' adolescence and his, young, his early adulthood, right? Just before his ministry really kicked in. Because... There's so much to cover. We really don't want to cheapen it by um, trying to smash everything together as quickly as possible. And uh, we want to have fun doing it. I've enjoyed this. I, my heart is set on Jesus. i got to tell you, I love Jesus. And when I go through and, and I read about him and the things that he did in, in just his life, glory to God, it excites me. And I hope it excites you too. And so, let me leave you with this verse, okay? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it reads, you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be His witnesses. You will be a witness to Jesus. Glory to God. Or for Jesus. Isn't that good? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses for Jesus. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. The Holy Spirit doesn't come without power. Glory to God. So if you if you are sitting in a place as a born-again believer and the power of God is not present, then I ask you to delve in to the Word of God. I ask you, learn, seek, knock, ask. Right? His power is in the Holy Spirit. Meditate on Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Every congregation of born-again believers in the world should have Acts chapter 1, verse 8 alive Mm. And, and flowing. Glory to God. If the Holy Spirit has come on you, then you have the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Mm. That's so good. Glory to God. Praise you, Jesus. It is not a powerless gospel, people, and I refuse to preach a powerless gospel. There is power in the Word of God. There is power in the Word of God. Again, Prairie Fire Revival, September 28th to October 2nd, 2021. Lovemore County Fairgrounds, 
Tallinoxie, Kansas, zip code 66086. Follow us at truepatriotministries.org. On the home page, you can follow the revival, the announcements, and, and everything, and you can connect with us. And so we look forward to seeing you in September. And uh, praise God. Thank you for being here today, and God bless.